0: Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We have a great show in store for you today. So whether you are listening to this podcast or you are watching us on YouTube, We encourage you to download the show notes and follow along if you can. My name is Amber Jordan, and I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. Mo, how's it going today?
1: Hey, what's going on, Amber? I'm doing well. Got my large cup of coffee this morning, so let's do it.
0: Okay, well, you know, I'm really tempted to start off today with another Friday Night Light story because <laughs> I'm super into it, but you told me no, so I'm, I'm going to start off with something else, but, you know, I'm looking over our show notes today, and we're going to be talking about how leaders build teams, and I remember when you first came in to do some coaching with me. Of course, you started off talking about, you know, who who am I? What are my strengths? What's my leadership style? But really, we honed in pretty quickly on what do I know about my team? And I thought, well, they're my team. I, I know them pretty well. And we've worked together for a long time. But when you started asking me specific questions about, well, what are their strengths and their weaknesses? What are the things that, um, you know, really kind of give them energy and that they can thrive in? And how do they work together as different members of the team? And, you know, you started asking me all these specific questions. And then I realized, wow, I I actually don't know. I, I don't know them as well as I thought I did. And so we began to really focus on that. And and that was so significant because, you know, I had thought, well, I put together a team, so I know them, but really to build a team and to do it effectively, it, it really takes intentionality. And so today, you know, we're gonna be talking about leaders build teams. And last week we talked about two important things, but really focused on the first one of how leaders build people. And then the second, of course, today is leaders build teams. So, Mo, you have, you know, three things that really define how a a leader builds teams. And of course, there's not just three, there's a bunch, but um, we're going to focus in on these today. And so why don't you tell us what is the first thing that leaders must define in order to build a team?
1: Yeah, you got it. In fact, um, to, don't stop getting those Friday night lights um, anecdotes because we're going to have plenty of time for them. Just, you know, I just told <laughs> you, we, we, we got to do something else every now and again. So how about I start out with a story okay. uh, and and it has to do with the first point, which is leaders define culture. You have to define culture. And as soon as you can do that, it's really going to put you in a good position to help your team from that point on. And so you've heard me talk about uh, Cheryl Batchelder before, and we have just really, she was, part of a lot of our conversation is that I ended up having you have uh read her book. And I hope everybody else out there reads it as well. If you have, haven't already, cause I mentioned it before, but it's called dare to serve. And before I tell the story, you, you just need to know that, you know, the stuff that she went through, I, I, I really love because she was just kind of thrown in uh, to the position that she took on as CEO of Popeye's chicken. She didn't want it, but the people in the room pretty much, came to the conclusion since she was sitting on the board, like, Cheryl, why don't you do it? You've got all these great ideas. And she's like, no, that's not me. And they're like, well, you're going to do it. And she's like, okay. (laughs) So she becomes the big boss. Right. And so the first thing that she does is calls all the decision makers into the room and says, how many projects are you working on? Now, Amber, let me ask you, just take a, take a quick stab. How many, how, how many projects do you remember her team working on before she came on board?
0: Oh man, I I remember it was well over a hundred for sure.
1: Yes, it was. It was, the actual number was 128,
0: 128 projects
1: within the company. I mean, that's all the stuff that they were going on. And so she asked her team after that, tell me about each of these projects. Crickets, right? Nobody could tell her anything significant because there were way too many projects. And so she nixed all 128 projects and said, we're going to start all over. And with that team in that room, they came up with seven of the most important projects for that company going forward. Seven of them. And she told her team, now, this is the best part. Go back to your team, tell them that we now only have seven projects, and they can do one or two things. They can either get really effective on one of these seven teams and add value, or they can just you know, hand in their resignation and move on. And so you can imagine what happened next, right? All of a sudden, everybody outside of that room, as soon as they were told, hey, you got to figure out a way to you know, give to the, one of these seven projects, they all of a sudden became effective, right? And so it was at that moment when she made that huge change in the company, that was a culture shift. And it wasn't just within her team in that room, but it was everybody in the entire company. And even all the franchisees out that she had never even met before. Because if you wanted to be a part of Cheryl's team, you were going to have to be a person or people of action. And not only that, results, right? Because action isn't good enough. You've got to get results. And so the question is, you know, what, what do your people need to know? Where are you going? What's the vision? What's the mission that supports the vision? Because then you can move to the next part, which is helping people find a place on that team to be effective. So again, uh, a question that I might have Amber for our, our listeners this morning is this, how do I start to create culture? So for you, how do you start to create culture on your team if you haven't already, because leaders are culture creators and, you know, that's a great question for you because in fact, let, let, let me say that there's a there's a great article in the Harvard Business Review and it's called uh, The Leader's Guide to Corporate Culture. And it's a, it's a great read. It's not too long. But in this article, it uses the phrase culture eats strategy for breakfast. And we've all heard that before, right? Because that's totally true. So how are you going to find your culture within your team? Even, even when you're somewhere and you're not, let's say you're not one of the big bosses, but you still, if you have a team, you are creating culture for the people that look to you because whatever the culture is in your particular circumstance, it's going to shape the attitudes and the behaviors of all the people on your team. And even the way that you respond to clients and anybody else who comes in contact with your company.
0: So I think that's, I I think that's the thing that's so, um, really impresses me about, Cheryl Batchelder and and how she did that. I mean, I think we all have wanted to, you know, put a bunch of activities or initiatives on the chopping block before. But I think we're worried about our people. If we've if we have, you know, done any of the other things we've talked about on this podcast and built relationships and built into people, I think we look at those different projects and we see people connected to them. And so sometimes a leader might be tempted to not scrap that project because of the people that are connected. And so I think it's impressive that she came in there and knew what was most important, but had the ability to get people on board. And I think when you're talking about creating a culture, well, really, Mo, this is a question. When you're talking about creating a culture and you understand that these projects are too distracting and they're not the culture that you really want to have, but yet you want to focus on the people. How do you do that? How, How do you pick? How do you reconcile both of those?
1: Yeah, that that's a great question, and I would say this: just like Cheryl refused to do, she refused to be an enabler. She she wasn't going to let people be comfortable just kind of being there, right? And so I would encourage all of our leaders out there today to you know again read this article um, about corporate culture from the Harvard Business Review, and figure out what is your specific culture style. What's important for your organization? And how do you fit within that? How do you respond to stuff when when things don't go right? When stuff goes wrong, how do you respond? How do you respond to change? And the way that you understand your company's culture is gonna definitely determine how you communicate all of that to your people. But no matter what you do, you definitely need to develop a framework for what you believe in, because your people are gonna interact with you based on the way that you communicate culture to them. So you're the one who communicates culture, they're all watching you and they take cues from you and they know what it is and is not acceptable. And within that new, within the new hybrid system that we have today, even with people working both from home and at the office, right? A lot of people are starting to go back into the office and they're thinking, I think I'm kind of back to the office to stay, but you know, what if I have to go back home and work from home? We are the ones that create that dimension of culture. And so, on your team, are you taking that into account? And so the bottom line is this, for this point, you need to know how to care for the people in your company, which is very different from any other company. Even if your company is exactly the same as another one in your industry, you have to figure out what your focus is as a leader, then bring your people into that culture and help them. Because obviously your people are gonna are gonna shape the culture, right? The people on your team are part of shaping that culture, but you're the one who creates it and you need to bring them in so that they can help shape that culture. And they're, they're going to create subcultures within their, their their separate teams. And, and as more things are, are added to the plate and your company gets bigger as a whole, and that's what's important is defining that culture as a group.
0: So the first thing that we have to do to build teams is define culture. What is the second thing we need to define?
1: The second thing that we need to define as leaders on our teams or or in building teams is we need to define roles. You see, you, you probably think that you have a pretty good understanding of what your roles and responsibilities are, right? If you're thinking, okay, I, I know what I'm doing. Well, when you're thinking, if you're like me, I, I always thought about my job description, right? Because the job description and the roles and the responsibilities are always going to be different. Sometimes th- th- there's going to be some similarities. I mean, hopefully there's some similarities, right? But when you read a job description, it's usually a bunch of stuff that you may or may not do. I mean, think about a site like Indeed.com or one of these other ones where you actually find jobs, right? It's got a laundry list of responsibilities under each job description that you read, right? And you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't have all this stuff. And of course you don't. Nobody's going to have, usually, everything on on this list. You know, you're going to be missing something. You might be missing Maybe the educational piece um, or part of the skill set that they're looking for. But that doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> what matters is you getting the job that you think that you can do. Once you get there, now it's time to do what you were hired to do, which is jump into your responsibilities. So how do you help your people understand what their roles and responsibilities are? And we come back to my, one of my favorite words, Amber, which is the word Clarity. your people need to be absolutely clear of what they're supposed to do. And if you leave even one iota of the expectations that you have for your team unclear, then it's going to get messed up. And then, of course, you can't be upset with people when they don't have clarity because it's your fault that you did not bring the clarity. It's difficult to keep clarity high as a watermark. When the uncertainty in any industry, in any company is always creeping up, the uncertainty level is always creeping up. There's always things that are going to come in and you're going to think, I don't know what I'm doing. I I, I don't know exactly how to tackle this. That's the uncertainty level. That's why you have to continue to be clear.
0: So, yeah, I mean, you- that's really when the clarity is most important, right? Is when things are so uncertain, when things are certain, It feels automatically clear when they're uncertain. That's when leaders really need to be the most clear, bring the most clarity.
1: And we talk about this all the time, right, Amber? This is where leaders make their money. It's your job to bring that clarity. If you want to be successful in helping your team understand their roles and responsibilities, and again, I'm not talking about their job description. You have to assume that it's going to be more difficult than you think. And why is it difficult? Because- we know that our teams are connected, not just with even within our team, but our the things that we do in our job description, our roles and responsibilities are directly or indirectly tied to everybody else's in the entire company. And think about how crazy and messy that gets, right? I know that you want to be independent from everybody else and say, well, I'm just going to do my job, but that's never the case because what you do affects your team and vice versa. So, Think about it in terms of sports, right? If you're playing football, for instance, and you're an, an offensive lineman, right? Well, you're thinking, well, you know, what I do is I just need to block. You know, I'm on the blind side. You know, I've got to block the person coming coming across so that my quarterback doesn't get hit on his blind side, right? And so you just think to yourself, well, you know, I'm not the star quarterback, so, you know, I can just kind of it doesn't matter really if I don't, you know, do my job. No, your job is immensely important because if you screw it up, it's going to mess up the whole thing, right? You have to realize that whatever part you play on the team, if we bring it back to business, it's important. What you do sitting at your cubicle each day or in the warehouse or whatever you're doing, whatever level of responsibility that you have affects everybody else on the team. And so when, when, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, again, football, you want to be able to to do for an offensive lineman, you need to be able to do your job perfectly because nobody was brought on the team to do your job. And so if you do your job, it allows other people to be freed up to do their jobs. And that Amber is when, when companies start to actually thrive and see some, some great results.
0: So if your job description responsibilities is basically given to you by your supervisor who then defines the role. Are you saying you as the individual, you define what your role is going to be?
1: Yeah. I, again, I love that question. It's, it's going to be having good conversations. So if you are in a role, I would, I would encourage you go back to your job description and see what was it that you were brought on to do Then think about what's the stuff that I actually do on a daily basis and write down those roles and responsibilities. That's what Kevin had me do when I first started working for him. He said, here's the job description, Mo. Now, let me tell you what we're going to be doing from day to day. And a lot of that, I was like, well, I didn't sign up for that. He's like, well, implicitly, you kind of did. And I was like, yeah, I guess I did because things change, right? And so I learned how to define what I was doing by my roles and responsibilities. But whenever I had a question, I would always go to Kevin. And ever since then, whenever I had a boss, I would go to him or her and I'd say, you know, boss, I, I'm having a little bit of, of trouble right here. What, what do you want me to focus on? And if you ask your somebody who's in charge of you what to focus on, they should be able to help you. So really do that. Open the lines of communication and you'll get even better at understanding what your role on the team is.
0: Okay, so we define culture, we define roles. What is the third and final thing that our listeners and leaders out there need to define to build a team? The
1: third point is this leaders, you need to define success. Again, back to Cheryl Batchelder. She says in her book that, you know, the work of the leader is to open quotes create a work environment that yields superior results. And right, I just mentioned. Uh, results, right? So the first question for this point is this, how do you find, define success for your team? Do you do it in such a way that you're able to see that 30,000 foot view all the way down onto the ground? So you need it to be the big picture, but you also need to be able to give it in bite-sized amounts. Your people are are, going to nod their heads and tell you that they agree and believe with what you need them to do, no matter what you say. Because as adults, we're programmed, right? Just to not really get outside of the norm. And we're kind of wondering, this doesn't really make sense. I wonder if it makes sense for everybody else in the room. So we kind of look around the room and everybody else is kind of nodding too. And you're like, am I the only one who doesn't know what's going on? I would say much of the time, no. I would say a lot of times when meetings are over, right, we're walking down the hallway and we're asking each other like, man, do, do you know what what's going on? Do, do you have any idea? And A lot of times you're like, no, I didn't know either, (laughs) right? And so it's important for us, especially, and as your company gets bigger, this is both more difficult, but also Amber, it's, it's harder because it's easy to kind of slip into the cracks. And that is why there were 128, there were 128 projects going on and people really just kind of got comfortable. They went back to their office and they just, you know, they turned to work. They were productive, but it really wasn't helping the company go forward. When Cheryl Batchelder made that shift and defined success and said, look, here's the seven projects. This is what we're doing. And I mean, that was only kind of the beginning. If you read that book, and she made some bold moves after that, but she was able to make those bold moves because what she was telling her people is, I believe in you. Now you have to believe in yourselves and, and go forward and actually do some stuff that makes a difference. So the question for our listeners is, are you defining success for your team? It doesn't matter how small or insignificant you think you are. You are not. If you are in, in a lower management position, if you have one person who is looking to you for for clarity of of success, you need to give that clarification because you're the one who defines that success.
0: And um, in the what's the Seven high, Habits of Highly Effective People? One of Got the it. habits I think <laughs> no, habit. it two is start with the end in mind. And so Mo, would you say that that applies here? That, that defining success is really something you need to kind of do in the beginning? Or, or do you have to define the culture first? Or are they kind of all at the same time? Does, does it matter what order?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on what you're brought into the company to do. If you're at a level where you are actually like shaping and shifting and changing culture, like you're somebody who's brought in as a culture shifter, a culture changer, yeah, you definitely have to figure out for yourself what success is. I mean, when, when I'm brought on, on onto a team, the first thing that I ask when when I coach people is I say. What does success look look like for you? What is the win? What does a win look like, right, Amber? We, we've talked about that all the time, and then we lay things out and say, what are the things that you are are responsible for, and and what are you trying to do as the leader? You need to define success in your head, and then, of course, that's when you go back to defining the culture because you can't help people, you know, get get a culture that's going to be helpful in defining that success. Until you actually know in your head, what do I want to accomplish? So I think really that's one of the main questions that I have for our our listeners today as we close is this, what is it in your mind that would be the win? What is success for you? And you know, when you put your team into that, what do they do on the team, right? What are the roles and responsibilities that are going to help define that success because we're always Amber to to, uh, actually answer your question directly. We are always affecting and changing and adding to culture. But for this point, for us as leaders, we need to have a very clear definition of success. And if somebody says to you, what is it we're doing here? You should be able to define that success very simply. Right. It's always going to be more complicated, but you need to you need to define it in simple terms and say, this is what we're going after. When you can do that, your people are going to say, Okay, I know what success looks like. Now what are my roles and responsibilities? And then of course it goes back, and now we're we're kind of in that, like you said, we're kind of in that round rob in that circle, right? We're doing all three of these things.
0: So leaders define culture, they define roles, and they define success. So Mo, as we're closing out today, what are your final thoughts for our listeners?
1: I would say this, you know, it, it's really, it's really simple, but it, we like to make things difficult. We, we like to just, you know, muddy up the waters. And for you leaders out there, you need to know when building a team, you are the one who kind of brings everything together. You're the one who has to make sure that your people have laser focus and clarity because they uh, should be focused on getting results and getting things done based on what the way you, you need them to do stuff. But that means you need to be at all levels of the process because it's all about the process, right? (laughs) It's all about getting your people on, on your side and saying, this is where we're going. But when you're building that team, you have to be thinking about that. You have to be thinking about culture. You have to be thinking about roles. You have to be thinking about success And when you as a leader can be very clear about that, your people are going to be less frustrated. And I don't know about you, but I want a less frustrated team. I want them (laughs) spending their energy on getting results, doing good things, and winning. Because when your people win, they want to do more. They want to do better. So leaders, go out there and take a look at your team today and ask yourself, what is it that I need to do better with my team? Do I need to define the culture a little bit better? What is the culture of team? What are the roles and responsibilities of every person on my team? Whether you have one person or you have a hundred people <laughs> that, that are looking to you. And then also you want to go back and see, you should have your definition of success for your particular company right now written down, go back. And if you haven't written it down, write it down. But if you do have it written down, go back and say, how close am I to getting this done? And when you do that, Amber, I think our leaders are, are going to be a, a, in a lot better place to, to building a successful team. And that I love building teams. I love seeing teams win.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Well, thank you, Mo. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for joining us once again, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.